Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Well, amen, amen. It's good to see everybody this morning. God bless you for coming. We welcome the Zoom family and uh, glad you guys could come in. Let's open up with a word of prayer and then we'll get started. Father, we give you thanks and praise today. You're such a good God, an awesome God. You're a gracious Father and your plans for us are nothing but good. Lead us and guide us today through your Holy Spirit, with all of your wisdom from the Word of God. Help us, Father God, uh, to rightly divide the Word of truth, to better understand your plans and purposes. We thank you for divine favor. We thank you for divine blessing. We thank you, Lord, that the steps of righteous men and women are ordered of the Lord, and you are just leading us and guiding us into your good, acceptable and perfect will. Father, let today be a day where your name is glorified. May the lost be saved. May the sick be healed. May the power of God bring to pass signs and wonders and miracles in every way. And we give you all the thanks and praise. Amen and amen. Say amen this morning. Amen. Now, for the first time uh, in my life, I spilled coffee on my computer. (laughs) What happened? I had a Biden moment. (laughs) I mean, it was, oh, no. And so now my computer is uh, not... Uh, behaving as nicely as it should. So not only pray for me, pray for my computer, and pray for President Biden. (laughs) Amen. Uh, So glad you could join us. Uh, We uh, love getting together for these Torah studies. We've been doing it for many a year now, 15, 16 years, and uh, God is good, and there's so much in the Word to learn and study, and today is a great study in the Torah portion number 17 out of Exodus 18 through Exodus 20, and uh, we're entitling today's study a Jewish understanding of God's covenant with Israel, and it's a fascinating study. Uh, because it's named, each Torah portion has a name, this particular Torah study is named Yitro in Hebrew, Jethro, uh, not the one from the Beverly Hillbillies. Uh, And uh, Yitro, Jethro, is Moses' father-in-law. And uh, by all accounts, uh, he's an outsider. To Israel. He's a Gentile. He's a former pagan high priest in Midian, uh, which makes it all the more amazing why does God, why do the great sages that put together the, the Torah studies, that was Ezra from Ezra's era and the great assembly way back, uh, coming uh, back from Babylonian captivity. But it just makes it all the more amazing that they chose a Torah study to name after Jethro, Yitro. Abraham doesn't have a Torah study. Moses doesn't have a Torah study. Aaron doesn't have a Torah study. Uh, And yet uh, Yitro has a Torah study. So uh, great symbolism uh, of a Gentile receiving a great honor from the Jews. Uh, And when you get into this a little bit more, you see that just the name Yitro in Hebrew contains a very important revelation because his name 
means adding on. Yitro means adding on. You can see where this is going. It's probably the best example in all the Bible of the big picture plan that God has for bringing Gentiles into the covenants. Uh, Adding on, a different way of saying adding on could be, you could say, grafted in. Who's ever heard of that term, grafted in, from Romans 11? Uh, And so God is showing us here, subtly, that uh, Gentiles are meant to be grafted in to the covenants of God. Amen? Uh, It shows... Uh, that the Torah, standing with Israel, loving Israel, uh, feeling uh, connected uh, to uh, the ancient roots, the Jewish roots, were always meant for Gentiles, for Christians. Uh, Hadn't always been that way, uh, but it is today. We're living proof. (laughs) Hallelujah. Uh, And so it's a message that you and I, that all the church needs to see ourselves as being grafted into Israel, a part of the history, the lineage, the heritage uh, of Israel and all of its covenants. We're the wild branch, Paul teaches in Romans 11, that has been grafted in to the root, the, the olive tree. Uh, and uh, Romans 11, we could teach on that uh, for a couple Sundays. Uh, maybe one day we will. But what makes this all the more significant is that today's study highlights God making a covenant with Israel at the base of Mount Sinai. You saw the movie, Charlton Heston. There, it, it, Exactly how it happened. It's got to be one of the most extraordinary events in human history. Two million people, as estimated by many, gathered around the base of Mount Sinai. The twelve tribes gathered at the base of Mount Sinai waiting for Almighty God to reveal Himself and make a covenant with Israel. Now today, you know, in modern times, we don't really uh, revere this episode in Bible history uh, like we should. But what we have to remember is this is God revealing himself to a nation. Two million people heard the voice of God. Two million people heard God speak. Kind of left a lasting impression uh, on Israel, didn't it? Because now 3,500 years later, they're still living off of that revelation. And you and I ought to be living off of that revelation. It's a good revelation, what God spoke at Mount Sinai. And what he spoke was the Ten Commandments. Uh, And the Ten Commandments weren't given because God hated us and wanted us to put us under legalism and a heavy burden. He wanted Israel and those of us now that are grafted in to have a blueprint for how to live a successful life. Love God, love people. That epitomizes the Ten Commandments. Here's how you please God. Here's how you please people. And so... God lays this all out uh, as a corporate revelation, a national revelation. And it's that revelation, it's carried Israel through all those exiles, right? All the invasions. It's not Israel that's occupying. That was their land from the get-go. But all these other nations through uh, history have come to occupy. There's been crusades by the Christian church out of Europe. There's been the Muslim invasion and occupation. 
There's been uh, all of these exiles. There's been pogroms around the world. There's been a a, a diaspora, as it's called, where Jews have been scattered to the four corners of the earth. And yet, through the Holocaust, all these various things, they have still maintained the covenant. No devil, no tyrant, no dictator could snuff out and scour out what God spoke to Israel at Mount Sinai. They maintained that connection. And it's been to our benefit because uh, they are known as the people of the word, the keepers of the word. And they pass that down to us. We're part of the lineage, we're part of the heritage. There's a description in Deuteronomy 4. You can turn over there if you brought your Bible. Deuteronomy 4.32. Moses is just going back and talking about uh, this epic uh, episode in history. And he says, ask now about the former days. Inquire about your history, please. Long before your time, from the day God created man on earth, ask from one end of the heavens to the other, has anything so great as this ever happened? Or has anything like it ever been heard of? Has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of fire as you have and lived? Yeah. Praise God. I'm sure we all wish we could be, have been there. <laughs> At some point, Israel as a whole said, Moses, can you take it from here? (laughs) This is freaking us out. (laughs) Could you just handle it from here? (laughs) And anything that God says to you, we'll take your word for it and just roll with it. So the giving of the Ten Commandments and by extension the giving of the Torah is an expression of the heart and soul of God. Uh. It shows us not only what God wants, it shows us what God is like. God is a God that does things decently and in order. Ever heard that before? He's a law and order God. It's not like everybody just come into the faith and do it whatever way you want to do it. No, His ways are not our ways. Our ways are not His ways. We think about things totally different in our human mind than God thinks about things. So he wrote down an instruction manual so that we would always have the instructions. This is how you do it. Remember that song? (laughs) They were singing that at Mount Sinai. What God has given Israel this covenant that they entered into says something about God's morality, God's righteousness. It tells us what matters to God. So even though the the top ten principles that God has given Israel and by extension mankind, even though all of that has seemingly fallen out of favor Nowadays, you got pastors on TV saying, if you try to follow the Ten Commandments, you're negating the Holy Spirit, and you are almost getting involved in witchcraft. I've heard them say it. With words like that, man, you could join the secular humanist movement and fit right in. (laughs) So... Even though most of us can't list all ten, we, uh, we need to learn what the Ten Commandments were. One of our favorite restaurants to go to is Risky's. Anybody ever heard of Risky's in the stockyard? And uh, There's one uh, at Sundance Square in Fort Worth and uh, one way out on uh, uh, 
Camp Bowie. And uh, you can go there and get all-you-can-eat beef ribs for like $18. And they're juicy and they're big and they're just, oh, man, I've got to go back. <laughs> but when you go to Risky's, and I first saw this in the stockyards, they've got the list of the Ten Commandments in Risky's. Uh, just, oh man, this is cool. And what really makes it cool is the, the list is written out cowboy style. So here's the Ten Commandments cowboy style. Commandment number, number one, put nothing before God. Have no other gods before me. Number two, Just one God. Don't make idols. Number three, watch your mouth. (laughs) Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Number four, get yourself to a Sunday meeting. (laughs) Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Uh, number five, honor your mom, pa. Honor your father and mother. Number six, no killing. <laughs> Thou shalt not murder. Number seven, no fooling around with another fella's girl. <laughs> Don't commit adultery. Number eight, Don't take what ain't yours. Don't steal. Thou shalt not steal. Number nine, no telling tall tales or gossiping. Don't bear false witness against your neighbor. And number ten, these are the big ten, don't be hankering for your buddy's stuff. (laughs) You shall not covet. So there you have it. The Ten Commandments, risky style, cowboy style. Y'all, yeah, that's right. So in the giving of the Ten Commandments, we can see that as good as getting out of Egypt was, it wasn't good enough. Okay? Getting to the altar call is good, but it ain't good enough unless you're the thief on the cross, right? If you're dying tonight by 5 and all you got is John 3.16 and uh, you just call on the name of the Lord, you'll make heaven your home. But what if you're going to live another 20 years? Anybody want to die young? Anybody want to live in, if Jesus should tarry and we don't see the coming of the Lord, the rapture? Uh, be nice to uh, live uh, up until the Willard Scott age. Remember Willard Scott on the Today Show? He celebrated the 100th birthday. That'd be kind of nice. And have all your faculties, not have any debilitations. Let's start claiming that, Right? Let's start claiming that. Get our mind around that and start believing for that. See, God had a mission for Israel just like he has for you and I that goes beyond you just praying an individual prayer at the altar. And if that's all you ended up getting, uh, you'll still make heaven your home. But there's more than just being forgiven as part of the Christian life and the Christian journey. Being set free from the bondage of sin is a good thing. But unless you learn how to walk in righteousness, how to clothe yourself in Bible morality, in Bible-type living, then what was it all for? If you're going to, the next 20 years, you're just going to kind of keep living the way you used to? Walk like an Egyptian? And this is where the Word comes in. This is why God took Israel from Passover to Pentecost, Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks. 
We need the altar call. We need to get set free from Egypt. But we also need to get Egypt out of our mind, out of our spirit, out of our soul, out of our attitudes, out of our opinions, out of our worldview. We are not supposed to have an Egyptian worldview of life, a pre-Christ worldview of life. And so the journey is going through the Bible, learning what God's ways are, what are God's commandments, how does God view things, and adapt ourselves to that. And that's where most spiritual warfare takes place. Because your flesh, our flesh, my flesh, your flesh, our natural human nature, don't like that at all. I don't know what the cowboy saying is, <laughs> but it don't like it at all. So for Israel to move forward, for you to move forward, we need to renew our minds to the Word of God. Amen? It's the only way you're going to show the world, Israel, as a nation, how to be one nation under God. And for you and I, as individuals and as our family, there's only one way you're going to be one family under God. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. The only way you're going to do it right, the only way you're going to please God, is know what the good book says. Without a knowledge of the good book, how are you going to do it? You can't make it up as you go. The word Torah in Hebrew means teachings or pathway. And at its root, it means to hit the mark. It's an archery term. Hit the mark. Hit the bullseye. Shoot straight. So God wants us to use the Ten Commandments, and then by extension, the whole Word of God, uh, to instruct us on how to hit the right marks in life. And that takes some doing, that takes some learning, that takes some study, that takes some effort. It's amazing, I can talk about effort to certain Christians that have been trained up in certain theologies and doctrines and denominations, and they hate it. You mean I got to do something? (laughs) Yeah. You do have to do something. So there's Israel. They're standing at the base of the mountain. It's engulfed in flame. You can hear these shofar blasts. There's thunder. There's lightning, smoke, and fire. And the nation hears God declare his will, his word. And how did they respond? They responded by, I pledge of allegiance to the Lord. Amen? And why wouldn't they? Pretty impressive. You know, I didn't have that kind of experience when I got saved. I responded to an altar call, went forward, prayed the prayer, got filled with the Holy Spirit, got on my pathway to life and blessing, and just have lived that way ever since. As all of this is unfolding... Look what the Lord uh, says for Moses to tell the people in Exodus 19. This is a beautiful scripture, Exodus 19.4. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. Tell Israel this. Tell every man, woman, and child. You've seen what I did to the Egyptians, right? You know how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among the peoples on earth. For all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. 
kind of wish that was part of the message that people got at the altar call. No, uh, we don't do that here, but uh, I've done it myself, and you people, pastors, still do it. There's only one thing you have to do. Pray this little prayer with me. And it's kind of misleading. Because if that's all I have to do, why do you keep asking me to do stuff? (laughs) Why do you keep asking me to come to church? Why do you keep asking for tithes and offerings? Why do you keep asking for this, that, and the other thing? You told me at the beginning, there's nothing I have to do. And really, uh, what is being said, there's only one thing you have to do to receive eternal life. But what about abundant life? Two different things. Eternal life. By grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. But then, once that's all done, what about abundant life? I have come that you might have life, and that life more abundantly. If it just happened like, bam, then we'd all have abundant life. We'd all have more than enough in every area. Who here has more than enough in every area? All that you need from now and forevermore, you have everything you ever need, spiritually, physically, financially, with your family, relationally. No, there's there's a whole, you know, wide open uh, amount of blessing that we're still aspiring to. So obviously the Jews knew this was a great offer. God is saying he's going to make us his own special treasure, that we're going to be for him a nation of priests, They immediately accepted the offer. And uh, that's in Exodus 19, one of the great faith scriptures in the Old Testament. In Exodus 19.7, it says, Moses returned from the mountain, called the elders of the people together, and told them everything the Lord had commanded him. And all the people responded together, We will do everything the Lord has commanded. You have chosen wisely. (laughs) How many of you share that sentiment? I am going to do whatever the Lord has commanded me to do. Some of that is already written down. And then there's unique things to your life and destiny that you just have to have a hearing ear, a seeing eye to know this is what God is saying for my unique life, for my business, in my ministry, for this, that, or the other thing. There's general things everybody needs to aspire to, and then there's unique things. I was reading this article by a rabbi, Rabbi Leff, called The Secret of Jewish Survival. And he writes in this article that the Jewish nation is only a nation and can only be a nation as a result of the Torah as a result of what happened at Mount Sinai. We are not a nation based on land, although God did give them the promised land. We're not a nation based on language or culture. If ever there would be a time when Jews would stop caring about the wisdom of the Torah, we would cease to be a nation. And we would quickly disappear into assimilation. The world at large has only begun to value education and literacy for the masses relatively recently, around 200 years ago. And that's when they ushered in a system of public education. But until then, education was viewed solely as a pursuit for the elite. It seems like we're trying to get back to that point where we're not educating kids in school anymore, but we're indoctrinating them into somebody's social value system. 
What happened to reading, writing, and arithmetic? <laughs> to coin a cowboy phrase. Many religions had special interest in keeping the masses uneducated so as to avoid questioning what their faith is all about. So, why am I sharing that? Just to show us that uh, Jewish education goes all the way back to Sinai. Because God said, gather all the people, share this revelation, and then throughout the Torah, teach this revelation to your children so they can teach it to their children. And in order to study... To show themselves approved, every single Jew had to know how to read and write. So, mass education was guaranteed in Jewish society. And to this day, education in uh, the Jewish culture is at the very foundation of what they believe. And I can't help but think that this is what Jesus is getting to when he's talking uh, in and teaching in John 8. In John 8.31, he says, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. What does abiding in the word mean? It means studying the word, researching the word, working the word. The word is at the epicenter of the Christian Jewish life. Amen? And if we desire to move forward and climb the spiritual ladder of success, we need to know the Word. Amen? In another essay by uh, the late Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, entitled Mount Sinai and the Birth of Freedom, he connects what God did with Israel to what God did with America's founding fathers. I found this very fascinating. Pastor Troy has come to New Beginnings and brought in this uh, new teaching on biblical citizenship. And uh, it's been a fascinating journey. And uh, this year we're going to do more of that. Because being a biblical citizen means that we want our nation to be biblical. So that the laws and the rules and the regulations and the tone of society is based on a biblical worldview. And electing leaders that share some of that biblical worldview is a good thing. Versus the other side of things. We kind of see how that works. But he describes, Rabbi describes, how this covenant is unlike anything the world had ever seen. And in many ways, like the world has never seen. Because the covenant God gives to Israel sets moral limits to the exercise of power. The kings of Israel just are not going to be able to rule any way they want. Now Ahab and Jezebel, they tried. And they met an ugly end. But in in its essence, any king who rules contrary to the Torah is acting beyond their legitimate authority. And thus can be challenged. God's laws, not man's laws, are the gold standard. That's why when America was founded, America was founded on the laws of Moses. Because the laws of Moses, all 613, many of those applied to how a society needed to operate. Yeah, now there's going to be lawless people that could care less, but there's remedies for that in the Bible that are laid out. And it's important that uh, even if people run ragged over the things of God, we still have that as something to come back to. 
Let's vote in people that will steer America back into being one nation under God and following the precepts and guidelines and principles of the Bible. What's true for America is true for every family. Our personal opinions, our moral and political views, our individual value systems, what do you believe? They're not the highest level of what we're trying to attain. I'm not trying to preserve my own point of view. I'm trying to find out what is my view, does it line up with the Word of God, and if it does, hallelujah! But if it doesn't, does God change? Or do I change? Yeah. That's a great uh, little tidbit for marriage counseling. Usually marriage problems, uh, if you trace them all the way back, are based on what I want. This is what I think. This is what I want. But it's not who's right. It's what's right. And we appeal as a married couple to a higher authority. What does God's word say? And if we don't really know or don't have agreement, then we go find a qualified leader that can kind of break some things down. Get some books that kind of break down the the marriage from God's point of view. And then it's not, I'm right! Even if you win the argument, you lose. (laughs) Amen? A second crucial point is that God here establishes the principle of the consent of the governed. Ever heard that phrase? The consent of the governed. It comes from the Declaration of Independence. The guiding principle here is that a government's legitimacy and moral right to use government power is justified and lawful only when consented to by the people. We didn't elect President King, monarch, dictator, tyrant to write executive orders that go against what the public wants. You're there because you work for us. This is why it's important to elect the right people. Until Israel signified their consent, the revelation at Mount Sinai couldn't be implemented. God said all these things and made all these promises, but until uh, Israel says, I do, then it's all on hold. And thank God they did say, yeah, everything that the Lord has said we will do, even if we don't understand it all. Praise God. That counts for something even today. Right? In an individual sense, many of the promises of God have been given as part of the covenant, but will never be implemented personally in somebody's life until you give consent. That's a heavy one. Well, I thought God did everything. No, we're not puppets on strings. If we were, then every. Bible promise would be fulfilled in its fullness in every person's life that confesses Jesus as Lord. That ain't happening. And a lot of the reason why it hasn't happened is you haven't given your consent. How do I give my consent? Through your ongoing prayer. What's your prayer life like? Rewind the last couple weeks of your prayer life, like going back through your social media feed. What have I been posting for the last couple weeks? What have I been praying? What petitions am I presenting before the Lord? How am I presenting them before the Lord? 
Are there prophetic confessions of faith that you're making? Or are, is there murmuring and whining and complaining? I've got a three-year-old grandson that's good at murmuring, whining, and complaining right now. <laughs> We're trying to get him to see the spiritual responses that you need to make. Is your life full of praise and thanksgiving? Father, thank you for an outpouring of your blessing. This is why Jesus said in Matthew 9, 29, according to your faith, be it unto you. Because there needs to be consent. And this is how you give that consent in your life. Amen? Do you receive that? Can you see that? Amen. The third point is that the partners to the covenant were to be all the people. Men, women, and children. The Torah states that all the people were gathered at Sinai. Then later in Deuteronomy, when Moses is recapping the history, he describes that Israel is going to have a ceremony every seven years to renew their covenant. And when that happens, every man, woman, and child needs to be in attendance. Because the covenant is for everyone, not just for the man. Women ought to be silent. Kids, shut up and go play, and we'll teach you the Bible, you know, when you're old enough. Not good thinking. I looked up the preamble. Because I remember, you, you know, the, the Constitution begins with we the people. All the people, we the people. And it says, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States. States of America. We were just walking through Capitol Hill. Pastor will talk about it here in this service. We were just there. We went to the Israel Embassy and did the event there. Just uh, extraordinary. And then went to Capitol Hill. Uh, and I really wish that all the people that are up there cussing and discussing would start with the preamble of the Constitution. I kept telling everybody, these guys work for us. But they don't act like it. Now some do. But in, in, the, in the general scheme of things, man, when are you all going to get something done? But we the people goes against every other kind of government. Only a limited section of society has ever had political rights, any rights at all, throughout all of history. So what God does with Israel and what God has done with the United States of America is unique to human history. We're the only two nations that have ever been formed as one nation under God. So... We don't keep the commandments to become citizens of heaven. We keep the commandments to become better citizens of heaven. What's the purpose of God's laws? To help us be better citizens. Here's the standards. Here's the guidelines. This is what we're shooting for. This is what we're aiming for. We're trying to hit the mark. This is why Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Right? This is why the Apostle John said, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. 
and his commandments are not grievous. If you think following God's commandments are grievous, try living without them. How's that working for you? And I know today it's controversial in certain Christian circles about keeping God's commandments. But the Ten Commandments, the top ten, they're essential to walking by faith and walking in a manner that pleases God. It's actually a key to surviving the end times. If you go into the book of Revelation, I'll give you one example, Revelation twenty-two fourteen. Blessed are those who do His commandments. That's odd that in the New Testament, that uh, at the end of time, the blessing comes to those who do His commandments. That they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Is, are following the commandments important? Yeah, I say so. Look at Revelation twelve seventeen, Revelation 14, 12. Also go into talking about keeping the commandments is part of faith in Christ. This is why the apostle uh, James, the first pastor of the, of the church in Jerusalem said, faith without works is dead. I'll show you my faith by my works which he's talking about living a godly life, a righteous life. Now, we don't get it all at once in the sense that everyone's walking on water the day after they pray the altar call prayer. It's a journey. It takes time. It's a growing process. But this is our book. Anybody in a a master's degree program or a Ph.D. program, there's my neighbor Eva. She's in a, a program. Do they, do they pass out any textbooks, or you just kind of wing it any old way you want? <laughs> yeah. So, look, it's unfortunate that the church severed itself from its heritage, from its ancestry, which is Jewish. And we lost a lot of... Uh, the revelation from Mount Sinai. They ended up moving the epicenter of faith out of Jerusalem over to Rome. And boy, did things change. The Jewishness of the gospel was replaced with a Gentile gospel. Interpretations of how to please God. I studied some of this yesterday. The new doctrine is Israel is replaced, replacement theology. Jewish Israel is no longer to be considered. Now it's only the Gentile church. The Jews blew their chance. And every promise that God gave them has been nullified through Jesus. They adopted way back in the day many pagan practices. Ever heard of Easter? Where does that word come from? (laughs) It's in the Bible one time. Easter, in the Bible one time. And when you go to Strong's Concordance and look it up, it says Passover. (laughs) We went from simply learning how to trust and obey God to analyzing God logically and living by creeds and doctrines that were developed by man. Salvation went from believing in God to believing in certain doctrines. And if you didn't believe the doctrines that we say are the doctrines, off with your head, burned at the stake. Oh, that would have never happened. Go back and read about it. What doctrines must I affirm to be saved? Replaced, who do I trust to be saved? You couldn't study the Word of God in your home anymore? 
any individual caught studying the Word of God was in great danger by the church. Because ordinary people can't study the Word of God. Only ordained priests that we say are ordained can study the Word of God. And that's when the church entered into centuries of what is called in history the Dark Ages. Why are they the Dark Ages? Because the Word of God was taken. and Only a few could interpret and teach it. Everyone else, you just were illiterate. You couldn't learn. And if you tried to learn, you were in big trouble. The good news... God promises in Acts 3.21, you can go over there and check that in your Bible, Acts 3.21, that at the end of days, there's going to be a restoration of all things. Everything that we lost is going to be restored. And a big part of what we lost is revelation. Yeah? Thank God it's happening right now. There's a restoration that's already occurring, a revival of of God's origins. God's original plan is being revived, and it's a Judeo-Christian plan. And it's just like Malachi prophesied in Malachi 4, that at the end of the days, when Elijah's spirit is released into the world, that the hearts of the fathers... Israel are going to turn back to the children, which are the Christians. And the hearts of the children, the Christians, are going to turn back to the hearts of the fathers, which is Israel. That's happening. We're in the midst of that. You and I as part of what pastor has been called to do. Yeah, it's exciting. And we're helping to bring about, paving the way for what the apostle calls the one new man. Ephesians 2, 14, up there in the banner. And that's a good thing, because we're in the will of God. Jew and Christian coming together in brotherly love and in unity. It's a cool thing. And God says, wherever I see that, I will command my blessing. So, how many of y'all love to be blessed? I do. Well, get ready, because... This is your time. Amen. Well, if you receive that, give the Lord a praise.